Hello and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Meghla Bhardwaj. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Anna Davidson from London. Now, Anna is an Amazon seller and a mentor and a coach as well. Hey, Anna, how are you doing? Hey, good to be here. Hi. Hi. Thanks a lot for joining um, me on the podcast, Anna. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, your story. Um, you shared your story and some of the challenges that you had faced last year um, on, on a Facebook post recently. And I read that and I was really touched and I was also very impressed by your grit and determination to overcome all of those challenges. So I thought it'd be nice for you to share your story so that, you know, maybe some other people, especially women, might be inspired by what you have achieved so far. So, um, Anna, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, yourself, you know, what's yeah. your story? Yeah, so, I mean, just to give people a little bit of background sort of, of my experience as regards to what I was doing way before I got involved with Amazon, yeah. that sort of starts the beginning of my story. Um, I worked in the corporate industry for, what, I think it was 13, 14 years. Um, and kind of moved up that corporate ladder. I worked for the, in the pharmaceutical industry. It's interesting because I now am really anti-drugs. <laughs> like my children, <laughs> I'm really like holistic with with different treatments and different things. And I think sometimes working in an industry it turns the opposite way. But the positives was I learned a lot about branding, um, working for a blue chip company. Um, I actually head up head, headed up the Viagra brand at the time, which we you know we all laughed. Because you know, obviously, Viagra, but being um, having that experience of kind of leading on such a brands has sort of given me quite a lot of experience in the e-commerce world, I suppose. Um, although I wish I had the funding um, that you know that kind of brand had behind it now, these days. But it can that sort of gives you sort of a bit of a snapshot of what I did before. But I always had that. I don't know, I think a lot of people relate to this, like, you want to have a bit of freedom, but you always have that bit of an entrepreneurial spark. My dad was an entrepreneur and a financial advisor and ran his own business growing up. And I think the corporate world restricted me a lot. And it was, it was when I had my first son, Jacob, that in my head, I was like, right, I just got this leadership role within work and I was going up the corporate ladder and I thought, I'm going to have this child. This child's going to go into nursery and then I'm going to go back to work and I'm just ticking that box because I'm having a child and I'm married and I'm, everything was all really happy um, and when I had Jacob I just changed my whole perception I just it, it was just the emotion probably just took over as a mum and I thought actually I don't really want to be going back into the corporate world and being away on these fancy conferences and um, it just didn't pull me anymore, just in that small amount of time that I had off with him. You know, I had 12 months off. Um, and while I was on maternity leave, I was looking at other kind of online alternatives, I suppose. A lot, I look back now and I laugh at myself because I was looking at a lot of scams, really. <laughs> um, but I was looking at I was just looking at ways to make money online as a mum from home. Yes. How but long ago I was this? I was the best. So I got made redundant in 2011. Okay. Um, but Jacob, Jacob was born in 2007. Mm. So it was then that I was looking. So when he was born in 2007, I was looking. Um, but I, I hung on because I had that whole mindset thing of how, 
you know, I, I was earning really good salary, big bonuses, as you can imagine, in, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, they pull you with those big bonuses. And I had, you know, I drove a BMW, you know, life was good. And also, so I had the pressure of finances on my shoulders because I was the breadwinner in our family. But I was happy, you know, I was happy to be, I was ambitious. Um, I thought I could juggle it all. Um, so I started to look at alternatives then, but it wasn't until I had my second son, Reuben, um, and in 2010, that I thought, I want to go. Um, and there was lots of redundancies happening, and I was hoping, I was like, one of these people, was fingers crossed that I was going to be made redundant, um, because I had this whole idea, and it was all based around mums and business, and my background was sales, and I thought I wanted to help um, but, you know, mum type businesses maybe like Avon and all those types of kind of maybe multi-level marketing type businesses to really help them sell because I felt that a lot of those types of businesses were run by mums who just loved the products and I thought I could really help them sell you know give that sales experience but what I realized very early on um, what was great was I'd had a, you know and had a, a big lump sum redundancy so I had a bit of time to work this out um, was that actually I knew no marketing skills um, and I was a bit blinkered with that if I'm really honest so I, I actually bought a, an online digital marketing program and learned so much about the online marketing world and that was kind of like my mindset shift then um, I really drilled into Facebook marketing at the time. It was when Facebook marketing was really high. You know, nowadays it's a lot more challenging. Um, and it was way before you did any physical products on, on Facebook. So, yeah, I, I, I then learned a hell of a lot around digital marketing um, and actually ran a program helping um, anybody. It wasn't just mums, because I'd also pinned myself into mums, um, helping them do Facebook advertising and that kind of thing. Um and then, I, and then I got into Amazon. Amazon. But to rewind, um, because talking about my story, it's something that is very new to me because it's something that I've been really scared to talk about, if I'm honest, because I don't want to be labelled a domestic violence victim, if I'm honest. Um, but now I've realised to help myself and in my own healing that actually I could help a lot of people out there and I've been hiding it. Um, so it... It's, it's emotional because it hits my core, um, but it's something that I've decided that I need to help other people with and that I'm not going to hide anymore. And actually, it's making me who I am because it's make, like you said, you know, it's really nice to hear you said the grit and determination because sometimes we don't see that in ourselves. Yeah. I see things that I've had to survive and my boys with obviously my, my forefront, you know, um, that I needed to, I've always wanted them to be proud of me. Um, and I've always had that ambitious streak, but I've always wanted, I didn't, I didn't ever want to let them down. And so now is the time to kind of get my story out there. And, you know, maybe somebody could be listening to this who ha is, because ha it's, it's strange, you, when you're in a relationship that goes a bit toxic, because it wasn't at the beginning, everyone always says, did you not know when you were like that? Um, it wasn't like that, it just creeped up on me overnight, really. We, we started having a few challenges. I will hold my hands up so that I was probably really driven at the time in my own business and was very sort of maybe blinkered to having time, you know, like, you know, every relationship you need to make sure that you've got time. Whereas I was really, really ambitious, really focused on building my, you know, business from home. I probably didn't give him too much time. But then it, it just seemed to creep up overnight that 
we had financial challenges because obviously I was made redundant and everything was on my shoulders and I could see what was going to happen if we didn't sort it out. We were, you know, getting work. Um, and then it just felt like overnight he just changed. Uh, it's so, you hear, it's funny, I see this like out of body experience, hear people say this story and I think, they probably think, you knew what he was like, but he didn't because you, you're in love with someone, that is your partner for life. And it took me so long to work out that actually I was going to have to get out of this relationship. And it took me probably three years to get out because there was the constant dramas of, yeah, I lived with a bag in my boot of my car for about eight months that had everything in it. It had my clothes, you know, like say two or three outfits, the boys clothes, two or three outfits and our passports. So I knew that in a drama, I could just get my laptop and go, because that's all I needed. Um, and I look back on that now, and I think, I can't actually believe I lived like that for even like eight months. Um, but, so, uh, you know, I, I think something mentally happened with him. I'm not trying to, you know, say that he's got mental health, but something changed. Um, and it, it, there was, there was, yeah, there was lots of violent episodes, um, strange, bizarre things in burning my clothes, really, really you know, nasty things that would happen in a disagreement that would get way out of control. Um, and because he was the person that I married and he was my, you know, my soulmate, I forgave him and, and kept trying to work this out. You know, Even we went to the doctors, we tried every solution to try and work this out. But in the end, I realized by looking online like we do, we're like you know, we, we we search online, don't we, for help sometimes. That actually, I was in a you know a very abusive relationship, and I hadn't realised. And because I was such a strong person and was the breadwinner, I thought I couldn't be, you know. Yeah. And control can kind of creep up on me like that, you know. Okay. So, I my thing. I remember at my lowest, I used to. I look back on it now, and I think it was gratitude. I didn't realise that's what I was doing at the time, but I used to just wake up and think about two or three things that I was grateful for to get me through that day. Um, and it was usually around the boys, it was usually that their health was fine. Um, because, or, or that there would be other women in a situation that weren't financially independent, that was my other big one. I thought, I've, I've still got my independence financially. And I kept saying, I can go at any time, you know. But I, basically, I, the reason it took me so long was that I was working on having an agreement that, that this had broken down. Because I didn't yeah. want to just go and then there'd be more problems, which there have been. I, I'm now, I've still got court hearings going on. So I'm on my 28th court hearing now. Wow. Um, because it got more, you know, it got more abusive when, when we split. But I think it's, it's so, it, it it is difficult to um, hold on to the positives, but I think my business really kept me going because I didn't want to let people down. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to let my children down. So I ha if I hadn't had my business, I think it, you know, maybe I would have been a, mate, a lot more affected. Um, I kind of hung on to those positives, really. Right. And so what was the tipping point? What really uh, made you decide, this is it, um, I need to leave now? Um, the tipping point was when um, there was a, a, a bit of a drama and um, I literally had to flee the house. What had happened was I, he, he smashed a plate in my hands 
and um, my eldest son ran down the stairs and, and you know those little tiny bouncy balls? Mm-hmm. They're really bouncy, the really small yeah, ones. Yeah. He threw it at his dad's head and it, I knew it was to distract him and to, um, to save me really. And I thought, this has got ridiculous now that my seven, eight-year-old at the time is actually trying to stay with me. And I thought, I need to get out for them because I couldn't get him to agree that it was over, you know? He'd move out, he'd come, I'd let him come back. There's lots of different things that happened along the way. Um, and the police got involved and everything. I just thought, I can't save this anymore. I need to save my soul because my soul, my soul's dying. And if I don't, if I don't, you know, save my children and get out, then this is just going to get worse. I can't, you know, because I'm a solution person. So I'm always, I'm always helping my friends out. I'm just thinking, how can I always like help my friends out? I can't seem to help my situation out. It's really difficult when the two of you are not agreeing on something. And I tried lots of different ways. So yeah, it was when Jacob had sort of stepped in. I thought that should not be happening, you know. Yeah. And I think we sometimes, you know, women find it difficult to get out of such situations because they think, oh, it's, it's, you know, kids need to have two parents and uh, it's going to be very difficult to raise kids. But actually it's, it's harming kids more, right? I mean, the toxic environment is more harmful to, to children. Yeah, so, that's what, that was me. I was, I was trying to say, I kept thinking they need their dad, they need their dad. But I thought I'm not teaching them the right values here. They're gonna, they're gonna become like that, you know. There's two men in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, growing up, I witnessed something similar to, uh, you know, happen to a very close relative. So I I totally understand how how it feels and how difficult it is for for women to come out of such situations. And it's also, you know, really important for women to be financially independent or have, you know, the skills to be financially independent in case such a situation um, arises. So, okay, let's talk about, you know, your business. So then you, you stumbled upon uh, Amazon and then yeah. how did you start your Amazon business? And are you still doing digital marketing or are you focusing entirely on Amazon now? And how did the transition happen? Um, yeah. So, okay, I think I just actually, because I did literally stumble across Amazon. I was never interested in physical products because I kind of, again, knew the mums that sold on eBay and couldn't yeah. see that it was really a long-term business unless you had a warehouse. So it was when I'd seen, I think it was a webinar on the whole FBA model. And that really excited me because I thought, wow, you know, you can actually, I don't need the staff. I don't need all those, you know, all those sort of uh, more complicated things, I suppose, of, of running a bigger business. So yeah, I, I then thought, well, actually, I'll start with supplements because <laughs> my background was, well, I could have my own store, you know. Um, and I did a prenatal vitamin and um, a skin, hair and loss vitamin, um, sorry, skin, hair and nail vitamin and a weight loss uh, vitamin as well. And it was all geared at mums, actually. And I did that in the US uh, with a US supplier. Um, recently come out of that niche, got to say, because it's very, 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 very competitive. And I was spending such a lot on uh, PPC advertising. But um, at the time when I launched it, um, for a good few years, it was a really, really uh, strong brand. So um, when did you launch it? What year was that? That was in 2012. 2012, okay. Yeah. yeah. So supplements it, is very competitive now. I think at that time it was still a bit easier to get in. 
Yeah, it was. And uh, also, they it wasn't just Amazon I did the marketing. I had a, a Facebook page where I used my Facebook knowledge. It was called the, the Mums Hub. And it offered lots of different um, like help and advice to mums. And then these supplements sort of came into it, you know. So it was like working the brand off Amazon as well, which I think you've got to do when it's a competitive market. Um, I then had, did a joint venture with a guy who had a lot of importing experience and learned quite a, quite a lot from this guy. He um, had been importing traditionally with warehouse and all that kind of thing and doing containers um, for about 15 years. And he set me a bit of a challenge because we just had some banter on Facebook because um, he thought that Amazon FBA was rubbish and that eBay was the thing because he did a lot of big and um, big stock, you know, like uh, garden furniture and uh, you know container stock really. Um, so he had a, a smaller product and we did a joint venture and he sold on eBay and I sold on Amazon FBA and I completely smashed him and he was like really impressed. So we started doing little bits of joint ventures and then we, we, we he ran a workshop on eBay. So we decided to do a joint one. It was just in the UK, um, an offline uh, workshop and it was just a day workshop and that was the start of my sort of coaching really as, as regards to Amazon um, because then I had products in the beauty category um, mm -hmm. sort of tech gadgets um, more recently I've been focusing like a lot of people on eco-friendly and bamboo products because um, that's right I think we were talking weren't we at the white label about yeah. India and those kind of products from that from from you know eco-friendly products right so yeah we did a workshop um, but I was always interested in the online world because I've done a lot of webinars and my world, my, selfishly, working mm -hmm. around my boys, I wanted to go more into the online world. Um, and so more recently I've been working with, uh, doing a joint venture with import experts where I've been a coach. And then last year I actually set up my own programme because over the years I've seen myself do offline workshops, one-to-one, -one, you know, Skype type Zoom call um, coaching. Um, you know, I've never done kind of like a quick four-week course, but you know, a program that's finishing. And I think what I identified is that, that it's great having Facebook groups and asking for help and having videos and people working through them. But from my experience, what people really, really need is ongoing help. Because even if you've launched a couple of products and then you come into an Amazon problem or Amazon, you know, is obviously evolving and changing, you need to be able to reach out to like a mentor or a coach constantly, not just by a post on Facebook. Sometimes you just want to have that conversation. So the program that I do now, it's just a small group, there's only 18 of us at the moment, and it has a weekly call. It's like a weekly live call um, that, you know, is forever really, I say because I just know that people just need to be able to reach out and have that hand-holding on a weekly basis. Right, right. So um, you've, you've, of course, worked with a lot of, uh, you know, sellers. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see people making when they're starting out on Amazon? I think because I suppose product research is the most challenging area people find anyway, because mm. either they spend months and months and months overreaching and do like paralysis by analysis <laughs> yeah. um, or they do far little research and then just pick something that's really competitive and you know so I think the mistake that people make is then they're just wanting a product because they're wanting to see the return on investment and they're not really deeply thinking about 
let's look at this long-term value of this brand. How can I, you know, like say they pick a garlic press, for example. How can I separate myself from all the other garlic presses on Amazon, you know? Um, you know, I'm presuming garlic press is pretty competitive. But how would I offer more value to the customer? And how can I create a really unique brand like something like Apple or I look at my days of selling Viagra? How can I create a better packaging and that real brand that either, you know, I could bolt something in and bundle something together with it or I could, you know, have that whole customer experience with the packaging. I think a lot of people overlook things like packaging and really creating a unique brand that's going to stand out as premium. Because um, that's what that's what I really teach is really separating yourself from the competition of having a premium brand. So you're not having that price war. You've got this unique line of products uh, and that branding and customer experience is really important. Mm -hmm. Because so then people... Yeah. Then people don't do their photos. If you, if you get that branding right you, and you have really premium photos, you really separate yourself. And I think a lot of people overlook that. They spend all this time searching for this product, say on Jungle Scout or Helium 10, and want to kind of just get it out there and, and sort of slap a logo on it and just use the, the cheap Chinese packaging or whatever, and then just use the, the Chinese photos or, or you know, add a little bit of something from somebody on Fiverr. But I think you've got to really make it premium and really have a quality balance so. Yeah, and I think that's one reason, you know, a lot of sellers are looking to India as well, because the products there, when we were at the trade show, we saw the products are really high quality, very unique and very different from what you'd find in China. Um, you know, of course, you can't find a lot of electronics or those kinds of products. So there is a limitation in terms of the variety of products and the categories that you can source from India. But yeah, a very high quality, very differentiated, unique products. I think, um, you know, and, and also eco-friendly products. There's just so many you know, interesting products. There was this one um, supplier at the show and we had brought some samples at White Label Expo as well. There's this fabric made from recycled uh, plastic bottles, plastic water bottles. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Did you see that? <laughs> I, I love stuff like that because like yeah. you say that really unique and things are going to get more everything's going to be sustainable in the future i think right maybe not 100 percent, but you know we're going more and more that way and i think the unique that's why i was really interested in uh, coming on one of your trips because yeah there could be some really interesting products that really stand out and are different Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about product research because, you know, that's, of course, uh, the most important thing, I think, uh, uh, that really determines how successful your product is going to be on Amazon. So what are some of the strategies that you teach uh, people as far as product research is concerned? So, yeah, I mean, I, I ask people, a lot of people don't do this. A lot of people say don't focus on an interest of yours, but I say do focus on an interest of yours because, in any business, you're going to have, a, there's going to be ups and downs. And when you're going through the downs, if you fix, you know, an inset, a plug-in in, inset repellent, it's going to be difficult to really kind of inspire you going forward. So I always say to people, start with picking a niche because mm -hmm. I teach that you want to launch three to five products in that niche. So you want to research lots of different products within that particular niche that you've got an interest in. And it doesn't have to be a hobby. It just it might be that they bought those products on Amazon themselves and just got an interest in those types of products. Now, we need to make sure that the return on investment is there as well. And it's not just somebody who's going off 
on a tangent on what they're interested in. Um, and then I've always used Jungle Scout, so I always recommend to use Jungle Scout, although I do know, you know, there's lots of other softwares now, and that's probably me and my habit um, over the years. I also use Zonguru as well these days, looking at keywords, because that's been really useful. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jungle Scout do the whole opportunity score. I don't majorly look at, I mean, I have a glance at it, but I think sometimes people can rule out good products by saying, oh, you know, it's high demand, high competition, it's gone. Um, what I want to look at is that sales volume, that there's the sales demand. And then also when you go onto Amazon that on page one, you've got, there's other products that have got low reviews on page one, because mm -hmm. then I know that when we launch, it's not going to take me so long to get up to page one and be competitive, really. Um, so it's looking at that sales volume and making sure that there's a good sales volume. Now, again, it also depends what country you're launching in, because if you're launching in the US, you want that sales volume to be around about 1,000 units. Um, in the UK, I would be looking at 350 that's that monthly sales volume because I know that I've got the rest of Europe and it's a smaller market that I'm dealing with um, and then obviously you've got Australia which you know Jungle Scout's not available as yet and you can really the, the, the world's your oyster there isn't it um, you know that the volume's going to be lower sales so the main thing I look at is the demand in sales and the, the amount of reviews and the quality of those listings because I spend quite a lot of time a lot of my students that are focusing in Europe and there's kind of less compet competitiveness there. Um, so we're always looking at how we can create unique brands compared to the ones that are already available. Yeah. And it just works out your numbers, you know, making sure that, that you, I, my, my program, I say that we were, we're focused on 17 sales a day it's on, a, on a 20 pound or a 20 euro or $20 product is going to give us that six-figure turnover, not profit, turnover. So 17 sales a day gives us that 10,000 a month, um, basing it on about, you know, 4,000 profit. And that's our first milestone that we're going for. So in the US, you could do that on one, maybe two products. In, in Europe, you're going to need about four. So it just all depends where your focus is and which sales volume you're going to go for, really. Right. So I think I think a lot. Of people, yeah. I also think a lot of people overlook keyword research. They just look for a few bigger keywords, and you've got to look for the longer tail ones and the smaller ones because it's you know, it's easier to focus on those rather than you know like digital thermometer is too wide. Um, maybe looking at baby eco friendly baby digital thermometer is going to be uh, like that niche within a niche, I suppose. Yeah, totally makes sense. And then, um, so so, are you selling uh, in Europe and in the US? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, what are some of the differences that you see in terms of, you know, the products that are selling well in the US or, or in Europe in terms of categories, you know, product categories? And what are some of the other differences that you see, um, you know, selling on, on the two of course, within yeah. Europe, there are different marketplaces as well. But in general, if you kind of, you know. Yeah, in, in general, then, I think uh, the, the U.S. is a lot more competitive, just generally, as we know. Right. Um, and I think that there's more potential 
like the the US is always ahead. So I often look for ideas to the US to kind of bring to Europe sometimes. There's a lot of marketeers in the US, so a lot of the listings are fairly, fairly good quality. Um, but as regards to kind of like categories and things, I think the US have already been doing the eco-friendly, you know, uh, they're already ahead of that. Um, they might not be fully eco-friendly, you know, like they may, the product may say it's eco-friendly and then when you actually look, there's, it's probably 60% eco-friendly. Um, but in, the, in, in Europe, um, I'm trying to think of the differences with products. It's always just been that every category that I've sold is just a lot more competitive is the main difference. Mm -hmm. um, I think... I think the, just like the eco-friendly crafty market hasn't been done as much in Europe and it's open and ready for more and more products. Whereas the US, I think, has already been ahead of that game a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, trying to think of any other specific differences that I've noticed. Like what about supplements and, you know, like superfoods are, are very popular in the US nowadays. Is that a trend yeah. in Europe as well? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. The green superfoods and all that kind of stuff yeah. is, yeah. I think we just follow what the new to do. We're just a little, little bit behind. Okay. Um, but what is interesting is Amazon's more advanced in the US. So, um, yeah, we were talking before we went live about sort of 2020 vision and, and things that are going to happen in Amazon. I, yes. you know, the branding part of um, focusing on brands with the advertising and the future is all going to be about brand registry. And you can see that happening in the US and not so much right now in Europe, but we always follow, so it's going to happen. Um, because obviously I remember the days where you could just register the brand with proof that you had a website, um, <laughs> which is funny now looking back. And obviously now you need to go through the whole trademark um, and really prove to Amazon that's your brand. And I think if people are not going to do that or they're not focusing on that over the long term then they're going to have challenges i think you can launch a brand at the moment without having brand registry but ultimately the goal should be to get that um because amazon's spending more time focusing you can see it in the us with their whole advertising mm -hmm. um they've got the blogs and the, um, all sorts of integrations that they're putting into the platform for future branding um, and different brands that are going to be launched. And I know that Europe will follow that. Um, and I was reading something actually over the, the Christmas period all around branding on Amazon. I think Amazon is just going to prioritise people who've got brands. So that kind of fits in with all my focus, really, which is good. Because um, I think it'll just get rid of the people who are, flipping products really and just selling low quality low standard products so um right because also i you know say to people that amazon's a great platform but you ultimately if you go and focus on that interest and that niche and you're building a line of products then take those products off amazon and build your own e-commerce store it's not always suitable for every product you know, some products are just an amazon product mm -hmm. but if you have got Say you've launched uh, like a whole eco-friendly range, maybe all made out of bamboo. That would make a really lovely store. And of course, you've got to invest in PPC advertising and you know, whether it be Facebook or you, or Google uh, shopping. Um, 
but the, you know, long term, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket with Amazon, are you? And you've got more control over your brands as well. Yeah, totally makes sense. So let's talk about trends and predictions for 2020. So one, of course, you men- mentioned branding. That's going to be very important. What are some of the other trends that you see uh, in 2020? I think the eco-friendly market is going to get even bigger. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot more restrictions on Amazon for it. They've already said that they don't like the word eco-friendly. Oh, is um, it? Yeah. And they're actually, you know, with their automations, they're, they're searching for that word and actually pulling listings down. Um, uh, well, I was reading an article all around this. I have, I've had eco-friendly in my listings and I haven't been contacted or, you know, my listing hasn't got suppressed. Um, but they're, you know, similar to the supplement market and, you know, like having safety data sheets with the hazmat. I think you're going to be having to prove what is the contents of that item because I suppose so many people are just stating it's eco-friendly when actually there's plastics in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's not not completely So I think the, just the sustainable eco-friendly niche is going to get bigger because I've seen it get really big over, over the last year. Um, and yeah. so that wave of trend, I suppose, is, is going to be more and more, it's going to get more competitive. Um, but yeah. I think there's going to be, I think if people get quite creative and look for products that haven't yet gone sustainable, that could be great in the future, that's what, that's the place to go. Because most people go for, you know, um, bamboo straws and bamboo cutlery and things like that. And they, you know, they've, that's getting quite saturated now. It's looking at different niches that could be sustainable. Right. Um, I think one of the trends that we saw in India, one of the product categories was organic materials. So like organic cotton. And yeah. um, so of course you can do apparel, uh, you know, from organic cotton, but there are so many other types of products as well that can be made from, you know, textiles or cotton. So there could be, I don't know, bed sheets and furnishings and curtains and all yeah. sorts of things. So, yeah, I think that's another category that will grow pretty fast, like organic uh, materials, uh, specifically cotton. Yeah, because there's, there's, um, there's like a lot of hemp as well, isn't there? Then? Yes. Um, I've seen like wheatgrass materials and components made out of fibers and microfibers and things like that. Right. Um, there were these disposable plates made from sugarcane waste, which is known as oh. bagasse. So that was very interesting. Yeah. yeah um, okay. So I what else? What are the other? Yeah. I think, I think it's, I, I, those kind of things just really interest me because I think they're, they, they would stand out in that particular category then, you know, like it's, it's thinking out of that box of if you see people do, you know, silicon or bamboo, or what other material could I do? That, is, that kind of area sort of really excites me, which is quite worth saying about the sugar. The yeah, sugar you, you should definitely come on the next trip. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, other trends. Um, What about changes on Amazon, um, on the Amazon platform? Uh, for example, they're making it more difficult to email customers. Yeah, I, I just think that you've got to be, years ago when I first started getting in Amazon, it's like when we could, you know, um, launch products and 
there was so many it was so many sort of internet marketers that were doing I suppose scammy black hat tricks and all that kind of stuff and I think where people people need to realize that you're building a proper business it's if you saw it as like offline you know importing has always been around hasn't it it's all whether they whether people sold products on the market offline or in retail stores and we've just had this massive wave of sort of e-commerce and so solo openers getting involved with the Amazon marketplace but I think people really need to see it as that you're you're building a real bricks and mortar business when it's online and what you would do to make sure that those brands were reputable and um, you know trademarks and all those and that should be the ultimate goal and if you think within that mindset, then you're not going to get into any problem with Amazon. Whereas if you think, right, I just want to get this product and I want to make a load of money as quickly as I can. I just want to slap a logo on it and get it on there. Um, you, you're going to come across problems because I, I've seen Amazon focus on brands and also they're getting stricter with new sellers setting up accounts um, and you know tax information and all these kind of things and, you, and this is where people just need to focus on making sure that they're going into a real business rather than um selling a few things on the side really. and it's having that right. mindset yeah a lot of the gurus out there they kind of position this as a get rich quick scheme so all yeah. you need is one product and you're gonna make millions in just a couple of months <laughs> So what about strategies, uh, you know, launch strategies? A lot of people are using chatbots to launch products on Amazon. Are you seeing any new trends in terms of launching products? So I've been doing my own many chat kind of a uh, bit of research, really. It's not something that I've been teaching, but it's something that I've been doing, looking into my own uh, brands. But I am actually at a very early stage. It's something really interesting because I've seen a lot of other people um, working on that. I think my my strategies have more been around just simple strategies around Amazon advertising um, and making sure that uh, we have quality reviews on launch and that's not to do anything sort of scammy. Um, it's just making sure that you get those reviews by different strategies of um, having you know, um, an incentive for people to do reviews that you know rather than people you don't know. Um, and using advertising off Amazon. So because of my Facebook and Instagram knowledge, you know, launching a brand off Amazon into Amazon um, by doing bits of advertising that's, because Amazon will reward you in their algorithm if you're bringing them customers. Um, so just doing that at the beginning of your launch strategy, really. Um, but yeah, the chat box, many chat really is something that I'm at the early stages of testing myself. I think it's a great way because email marketing is, I don't open as many emails as I used to. I don't know about you. Whereas yeah. you know, we're all using WhatsApp and messenger, aren't we? So I think um, I've done bits of research with my own Shopify sites. Cause I use Shopify and my own brands. Um, I've just not done it through Amazon. So it's something that I'm researching myself because I think that that is the way of the future, really. Yeah, totally agree with that, uh, especially WhatsApp. I think once uh, WhatsApp integrates a little bit more, uh, you know, with Facebook and Messenger, I think together Messenger and, and WhatsApp, they're going to 
the audience is just going to explode because there's just so many people using, you know, WhatsApp, so many more people than Messenger. All and right. So, yeah. Seem to be getting a lot of success from doing that as well, don't they? They're getting like huge open rates of like 80, 90%. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. That's the way to go. I think. Absolutely. So what is in the works for your own business? What are you planning to do? Are you going to be launching any new products on Amazon or, you know, in, in terms of your training, do you have any new plans for 2020? So, so as regards to my 2020 plan, I've got a couple of books coming out this year. Ooh, uh, nice. Yeah. So there's one, it's, it's not around Amazon. It's, it's, there's, uh, there's 20 of us female entrepreneurs that are in it. Um, and it's called She Made It Happen. That's going to be launched very soon. And then there's an Amazon book as well that I'm working on right now, um, which I'm involving other sellers and coaches and speakers and stuff. Um, and that's, hopefully that'll be launched in around about March time. Um, I am going to launch a retreat this year. In fact, I mentioned this to you, I think, when we were talking about the India sourcing trip, because I was yeah. thinking India would be an amazing place. Um, because just from all my, I suppose, adversities, I think it's always really good to take time for you. Um, and also, we work so much in our business that I just see people just work, 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 and never taking time out of their business to really focus on their well-being and also just to focus on what their own goals are because sometimes we... Our plans change, don't they, throughout the year? And I see a lot of people firefighting things. Mm -hmm. And actually, you get to the end of a year and you think, geez, how quick has that gone? Um, have I done all the things I wanted to do? So just really taking stock on your business and spending time on you and your own health. Because I think everybody has challenges. That's what I've learned along my way. Um, everybody has challenges and it's good to kind of take time out from that and focus on you um, rather than just being a mum juggling everything all the time so i wanted to go on a retreat for myself and i thought wouldn't it be great to organize a retreat the other because the more people i spoke to they were like that sounds good um so it's just going to be sort of taking start in the middle of the year really um and making sure the second half of the year we've got our plans in place um and i want to build my own um program i don't want it to be a huge group i just want it to be a very small group so that everybody can support each other um, and reach out um, and yeah I think my plan for products for this coming year um, is to like we're discussing with these sugar cane products is to find some really unusual items yeah. um, in that sort of eco-friendly niche or sustainable niche um, because I can see obviously like I said before it's a, you know, it's a trend and it's going to get bigger and bigger but it's also going to get really really competitive because it's starting to already, isn't it, in the US? Right. And it's, a, it's thinking of different materials and really unique products within that, within that niche, really. Awesome. That sounds exciting. Well, Anna, thank you so much for your time. It was really nice chatting with you. And um, <laughs> I look forward to meeting you, hopefully, in India <laughs> later this year. <laughs> You've got your April trip, haven't you? Have you got yes. Yeah, yes, we've that. got the next one in October. We do it every April and October. <laughs> okay. So you do it in the same time as sort of Canton, really? Um, yes. And, okay. and that's because the fair in India is organized, uh, is held during those times, April and October. 
Yeah. Okay. So the okay. fair, the, the trip is, is held around the fair. Yeah, I see. Okay. Right. Yeah, it, that's one of my goals for this. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much for your time. And guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you haven't already done so, please do subscribe to the podcast and join our Facebook group. Search for The Asian Seller on Facebook. We also have a Telegram group. Please join us there as well. And I will speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.